With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, the big decision that came down from the Supreme Court today, a 6-3 to three decision based on a case out of New York, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. 6-3 to three majority. Justice Clarence Thomas wrote that New York State's law on concealed weapons licenses violated the Second and the Fourteenth Amendments by requiring to people to show a special need for self-protection. A couple things to keep in mind about this ruling. It was also written by, I believe it was um, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, in a concurring opinion that it doesn't necessarily prohibit the states from imposing licensing requirements for carrying a handgun in self-defense. Um, but what it does do is that States with proper cause requirements may continue to require licenses for carrying handguns for self-defense so long as those states employ objective licensing requirements for those used by the 43 shall-issue states versus the may-issue states, which is like here in California. So what does that mean? Out-of-state permits and licenses to carry concealed weapons are not valid in California. You can't have a license for it in Utah, for example, and bring your weapon and have it apply here in California. If you are going to get a concealed weapons license here, or in there are some smaller counties where you can actually get an open carry uh, license, you have to go through a number of hoops that could potentially run up against this ruling that came down today. The restrictions vary from county to county, city to city. They say the most significant hurdle is having to demonstrate good cause which state law defines as sufficient evidence of potential danger to life or of great bodily harm to the applicant, his or her spouse or dependent child, which cannot be adequately dealt with by existing law enforcement resources and which danger cannot be reasonably avoided by alternative measures. Now, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department puts it this way in its policy statement. No carrying a concealed weapon license should be granted merely for the personal convenience of the applicant. That being said, um, Sheriff Villanueva announced in the middle of last year that he wants to make uh, make it, e well, easier. He wants to quintuple the number of licenses his office issued by speeding up the reviews and making this standard of good cause, making it achievable. Now, this decision, this Supreme Court decision says the Second Amendment does not require any showing of special need. Um, Clarence Thomas wrote, basically, there's no distinction in the Second Amendment, in the wording of it. There's no distinction between carrying your weapon at home and carrying your weapon in public. So that's why he said it would run the, the decisions uh, or the uh, policies in New York State ran afoul of the Second Amendment. So is it just the New York state law right now, New York, that's in limbo because that was the law struck down? Or does this apply to other states with similar laws? And we're all in legal limbo until 
California passes new restrictions. Well, it, it doesn't change the fact that in California, you still have to go through the sheriff, whatever whatever county you live in. Right. It doesn't mean I can go buy a gun and start carrying it around me willy-nilly. Right. Right. But I, I, I feel like it also reduces the hurdles. Well, it does because the – one of the things about the, for example, L.A. County, uh, when I looked at the application, this would have been, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, you can download at that time. I'm assuming you could still do it. You could download the application from the uh, sheriff's department website. And it, it specifically uh, spelled out some of those jobs that you do on a regular basis that would allow you to sort of – achieve that bar very easily. If you worked as a security guard in for, you know, sure. s- specific companies, um, if you worked in banking, if you worked in money transfers, for example, I mean, the amount of money that is transferred around a city like Los Angeles at night, they do a lot of helicopter transfers, literally of hundreds of thousands, if not a couple million dollars worth of cash every night in Los Angeles. And if you're working in one of those types of businesses, armored car, that sort of thing, as long as you have displayed some amount of some amount of uh, training and willingness to learn that sort of thing, safety practices, then they're going to give you a concealed carry permit. Uh, it looks like applicants here in California must also demonstrate good moral character, which obviously is not defined in state law. Sonoma County, for example, asks applicants to submit three character references. Got to get three people to say that you should be able to carry a gun. That and again, be hard to it's do. Not, this is not just owning a weapon, which, no. you know, the bar is much lower than that. The bar is lower. And th- this is to carry a concealed weapon, even as opposed to an open carry. Now, I, I heard this and I, I have to double check it. But in Texas, for example, right, everybody thinks Texas is the Wild West when it comes to guns. In Texas, you still have to have a license, a state-issued license for a concealed carry. You don't need a license for open carry in Texas. Right. Well, I mean, it's a. It, I you, I was just gonna say I'm I'm more comfortable if I see that you're armed right. than if I don't. Well, and that's part of a. There, I'm that's not gonna one, cut you off in traffic. That's one. <laughs> that's one mentality that plays into the discussion. Is is it is it better to know who's carrying and who's not? So this is not over. This is not one of those things that we're going to see, um, you know, decided by the end of the day today. Kathy Hochul out of New York had said that this is just the beginning and she's going to do whatever she can to uh, to make sure that guns are still safe. The big decision came out of the Supreme Court today, but there was another big decision coming out of the sports world involving a Manning. Arch Manning. The rare collision of talent, pedigree, and possibility has chosen where he will go to college football. Oh, my goodness. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Virginia, Texas all made such an effort to get this kid. And he has decided he will go to play for the Texas Longhorns. They've tried to keep him contained, the Manning family has, uh, largely considered the top player in the class of 2023. The family has tried to keep his recruitment as low-key as possible. His Instagram is private. He's not been an active participant in those name, image, likeness opportunities. So um, much of what you just said would have made zero sense 10 years I ago. I know that. I know that. He <laughs> even used his first tweet to make the announcement on a verified Twitter account oh with a bio that 
simply says high school student. He put a picture of him dropping back. The the uh, caption is committed to the University of Texas. Hashtag hook em. Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian reacted hey, with. Hey, I've heard that name before. All gas, no brakes. I don't know Wait if he was drinking minute. at the time. But that's our motto. A little Texas ranch water. Of course, Arch Manning, the nephew of Eli and Peyton. He's the grandson of Archie Manning. He's the son of Cooper Manning. Cooper Manning was a wide receiver at Old Miss, was storied to have been the best football player out of the three of them, but he got injured. Or he had some sort of condition, I think, that uh, that didn't allow him to play anymore. Well, the long... Wait is over. The long national nightmare of where will Arch Manning go? <laughs> uh, there is uh, another lawsuit that has been filed against the LAPD. A 31-year-old guy, Gabe Donne, was fatally stabbed by an intruder at his home in Beverly Grove last year. Beverly Grove is a very nice area. It's right there, kind of near the Grove. Um, you know, it includes the Four Seasons, Beverly Hills. It includes... Uh, all sorts of luxury hotels. Cedar sinai is there as well, so that's the area we're talking about. And the reason that the family of Gabe Donne is filing yet another lawsuit against the LAPD is they say that the, fam- the LAPD had the opportunity to take the murderer off the streets in the hours and days before he eventually killed Gabe Donne. There were multiple 911 calls about the suspect in the hours before the attack. Gabe's neighbors had called police on this guy, Enoch Connors, at least four times that day. He was hopping fences in the neighborhood. He was threatening residents. Officers showed up. They spoke to this guy multiple times, but didn't have enough to to put him away. They told the neighbors that they were safe to return to their homes. So this lawsuit is in federal court, says the the officer's actions amounted to a state-created danger that caused the death back in March of 21. Um, death and his uh, his parents' grief, emotional distress, pain, and suffering. This is a similar lawsuit to the one that they already filed in L.A. County Superior Court. Um, according to this lawsuit, somebody made a 911 call at about 1.30 in the afternoon after Enoch Connors climbed over a wall into a guy's backyard and scared him, his girlfriend, his, his girlfriend's mother. The LAPD showed up about a half an hour later, talked to the guy, um, Enoch, the uh, again, the murder suspect in this case, and then, according to lawsuit, irresponsibly released him. Less than an hour later, another man with a business in the neighborhood saw this guy disappear through a set of bushes into the adjacent property of another homeowner, then reappear holding a large rock. So that's the second 911 call about this guy. 30 minutes after that, two other residents hear this guy screaming. One confronts him and says, you got to get out of here. You got to get off this property. At about 345 that day, three residents saw LAPD officers talking to Enoch Connors again. An officer told one of the people that Connors was not well, he was mentally ill, the officers were going to handle it, and that you guys should go home. And then they released him for a second time. Uh, Half an hour later, another neighbor named Claudia was told by a passing Uber driver that a man was scaling walls and jumping fences. So she calls 911 as well. Now, a dispatcher tells Claudia the police can't do anything unless he's currently in her yard, then transferred her to a non-emergency line. Well, he 
did eventually end up in her yard, and she and her husband yelled at the guy and were trying to warn other neighbors. So at about 4.35, I mean, again, this whole thing started at about 1.30. About three hours later, LAPD officers show up in the neighborhood a third time. They do a quick search, superficial and brief, according to the lawsuit, to looking for the guy before telling this woman that the area was secure and, again, you could go away. About uh, you could go back to your home. Five minutes after they told Claudia she could go to her home, this guy enters Gabe Denae's home that Gabe came across this guy in a bedroom. He was unhinged, at which point the guy attacks Gabe with a knife as Gabe's trying to get out of the house. Apparently, his roommate heard the struggle, saw a blood trail down the stairs, through a hallway, and outside. And that is where this guy was stabbing Gabe repeatedly before he screamed and jumped over a fence into another yard. And it was that roommate who eventually was just basically holding Gabe while he bled out there in the backyard. Ten stab wounds, more than 20 other cuts to his body. Uh, the uh, neighbors in that area say that this is absolutely correct, that the, the family is in its rights to sue the LAPD because the, the the LAPD, in this case, they say failed to act, that it's 100 percent spot on, that the family is um, she's glad that the family is suing. What were they going to do, though, unfortunately, um, because the officers had not personally witnessed him trespassing. Uh, they said they didn't have a resident willing to make a citizen's arrest. No grounds for detaining him. This is more of a problem with the system than it is with the LAPD. In terms of doing nothing about the mentally ill people scattered all over the city. Right. And, and we're, we're coming up with fancy names for them like uh, perpetually unhoused or people living free from the burden of a roof or however we're saying it. Yeah. But the encampments in that area and around other parts of L.A. have grown out of control. People in crises wander the streets at all hours. People are being assaulted. They're robbed and burglarized. That you can't just show up and 5150 someone. Uh, it's, it's terrifying times. Hey, coming up this weekend, Angel City Sports. Uh, the Angel City Games presented by the Hartford. You can join iHeartRadio in supporting the Angel City Games. Um, this is one of the largest adaptive sporting events in the United States tomorrow through Sunday at Cerritos College there in Norwalk. It's absolutely free, brought to you by Angel City Sports. And invites athletes and with uh, physical disabilities, visual impairments to participate in 16 different adaptive sports. And over the last couple of years, we've had the absolute pleasure of, uh, of talking to one of those athletes, uh, Ezra Freck, who has been involved in all of these sports, who has just been, uh, you know, setting records left and right, all that sort of stuff. Ezra received his first prosthetic leg when he was just 11 months old. And let's just say nothing was going to stop him. Um, basketball, baseball, soccer, flag football, skateboarding, karate, surfing, track and field. He's in to all of it. Superstar when it comes to track and field. Uh, Ezra, thanks for hanging out with us again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me again. Good to speak to you guys. What are you most excited about this year with the Angel City Sports? Um, you know, this year, usually I'm competing at the games. Um, and so I, I ended up getting injured a couple weeks ago. So it's a blessing and a little bit of a, of a curse, right? I'm, I'm bummed I'm injured, but at the same time, um, now instead of having to stress or, you know, be super focused on the competition, I can really, you know, be on the ground in the community, talking to people, hanging out. 
um, and uh, getting sort of like a firsthand experience of the games as if I was a spectator, right, even though I've been so deeply invested in it for so many years. So I'm sort of excited for that, that little uh, that role shift, given that I can't compete this year. Uh, how important is it um, in terms of kids who develop, whether they've got some sort of congenital condition that, that you know, impacts whether they've got, you know, legs, arm, whatever, how important is it for them to be able to see even older kids doing the things um, that, that Angel City Games will allow them to see? I mean, the, the baseball and the soccer and the basketball and all of that sort of stuff. How important is that as a kid developing into, you know, adulthood? Oh, you can't even put words to the importance of sport, especially especially in the lives of, of kids and people with disabilities. I mean, you think about it, someone with, with a disability, everywhere you go, you always feel like an outsider, right? There's people staring, pointing fingers, whispering, 24-7 in public. You don't feel the same as everyone else. And then you can come to a place like the Angel City Games and see other people just like you get to participate in sport. I mean, for me personally, Sports was extremely important, gave me like almost an escape, a meditation. And I was grateful to have older guys that I really looked up to, guys, even some guys on the U.S. team right now that I'm still really close to. And so sports really brings the community together. Because like what, what we do is we do sports programming, but it's about the impact that goes beyond sport, right? Changing people's lives through sport. That's what the goal is. Um, and so that's what I think is, is so special about Angel City. At angelcitysports.org, you can see uh, a podcast series actually called Sports Saved My Life and different yep. stories from, from different people. How did you guys handle uh, the pandemic over there at Angel City Sports? I'm assuming it was uh, challenging, just like it was challenging for everybody else. A hundred percent. It was, it was challenging. Um, I mean, you're right. It was challenging for everyone. It's, you know, particularly challenging for an organization that sort of was banking on doing right events in person and in the community. So we, we switched everything to virtual. We were loaning out some equipment to people so they could work out and, and obviously continue some sports at home. Um, and then we had a virtual games back in 2020, um, where we connected people all across the country, some even across the world, um, through, a, through a big virtual event and then like online platform and everything. But thankfully that's in the past and we're back to in person. <laughs> very, very thankful for that. And not only are you guys doing competitions this weekend, but you guys are doing clinics as well. And this is, um, fill me in. Is this just to kind of yep. give people an idea of how to play, the rules, the, the variations compared to, uh, to other sports yep. that they might see? Yeah, so the, the thing about the adaptive community or the, the disability community is that many people with physical disabilities don't even believe that sports is possible for them. They don't even understand that they could ever be an athlete, that these sports even exist. And so lots of our athletes that, we, that come to the games are people who are trying sports for the first time. And there's such an abundance of these adaptive sports that are all so intricate and unique. And so we have the clinics there so that first-time athletes, people that want to try a sport for the first time, aren't just thrusted into some like, high-level competition. They actually have an opportunity to learn, try it out, um, you know, meet some people, and, and compete in the sport in a more friendly environment before the competition, which usually follows like the day after or later that day. Um, and so that's just because there's just so many new athletes that are trying these sports for the first time. We just have to get them in introduced to the sport before they compete. Well, I'm excited for you guys, and it's always a good time out there. Ezra, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't like that your voice has changed. I know that you're a young man now, but I, rem I remember the good old days. Sounds a little bit deeper now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. We appreciate it. 
course, guys. Take care. Right. And don't forget, you can check them out. The website is angelcitysports.org. Uh, on Instagram, it's uh, at angelcitysports. And the Angel City games that they put on starting tomorrow through Sunday at Cerritos College presented by the Hartford. We have our small business shout-out coming in, uh, Joe Peeps Pizza. Did you know there was pizza in the building today? Wait, there's gonna it's gonna be here. Yeah, on top of the cookies that you ate for breakfast. Those were delicious. Please thank your wife. Uh, I needed Watch. to start my day off with a pound of sugar. Swamp Watch <laughs> comes along at the bottom of the hour, and we'll talk a lot about what's going on with uh, the Supreme Court decision regarding gun laws today. Well, it looks like Google has been infiltrated by a destructive cult. This cult is called the Fellowship of Friends, and it's based out of a sprawling compound in Northern California. It was registered as a religious organization with the IRS in 1971. It's run by a guy by the name of Robert Earl Burton. And there have been some lawsuits from ex-members that say that Robert Earl Burton, like most of his other cult leader counterparts, maybe uh, carried out some sex abuse, some misconduct there. In the early 70s, this guy would preach that members needed to immerse themselves in high art, like opera, literature, in order to get rid of negative thinking. Well, that's not so bad. That doesn't sound horrible. No. But then there was that whole thing where he would try to have sex with 100 followers in a day, and he would call them love fests. That's a little bit more troubling. I, I, did he ever succeed at that? I don't know. I don't know. And was it? A, are we talking a 24-hour day, or are we talking sort of like from sunrise to sunset day? I feel like you would have to have medication. <laughs> Right? Maybe that's how you get to become the leader of a cult, is sexual prowess. Now there is a former Google video producer named Kevin Lloyd who is suing Google, alleging that he was fired after he began complaining that his bosses in Mountain View were stacking the division with members of the cult. Interesting. The... um there was a podcast that was done regarding this cult, and according to Jennings Brown, the host of the podcast, former members would talk about the sex rituals like you were talking about, having the sex with 100 followers a day, the love fests. Um, there are, according to the lawsuit, online support groups for former members of this cult to try to process the trauma that they endured during their membership, as well as the problems that would arise after leaving. Kevin Lloyd's 34. He began working for the Google Developer Studio in August of 2017. In his court filings, he alleges that soon after being employed, he noticed that his bosses at Google exclusively promoted members of the cult, all of whom lived in and around the headquarters of the cult in Oregon House, California. It's north of Sacramento, just south of Oroville, east of Yuba City, if that helps at all. Now, listen, I lived up there for a long time, and I've never heard of, well, I've heard of Oregon House, but I realized I didn't hear about any of the little towns that exist around there, like Frenchtown and Dobbins. Um, there's a Sebastopol out there, the, the second one, Sunny Slope, Loma Rica. Did you know there's an Iowa City in Northern California? I did not. Anyway, that to give you an idea of where this is. One of this guy's supervisors, Peter Lubbers, is allegedly a member of the Fellowship of Friends, and that on numerous occasions, he would hire his son to work as a DJ at Google corporate events. That doesn't seem like 
cult-like. No, another one of his, it's just nepotism. Another one of his sons was hired as a freelance video producer. His wife was put on the Google payroll as well. According to the lawsuit, he, Mr. Lubbers gained status and praise relative to the increase of money flowing to the fellowship through his efforts at Google that put and kept other fellowship members on Google's payroll. They give 10% of their monthly earnings to the organization, like any... Uh, like a tithe. Like a, yeah. Um, or as I call it, a tiff. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> uh, the lawsuit also says that employees at the Google Development Studio who did not belong to the cult were treated with disdain. Um, they said anyone outside of the fellowship is seen as somehow inferior and at times adversarial. Those that would express serious concerns about all of this or criticism or question the group may be eventually perceived as enemies. One of the supervisors, apparently, Google Development Studio, who used homophobic slurs against an employee or openly spoke about that employee being useless, was not reprimanded, although the employee was fired. Uh, You're not allowed to say that someone's useless? Oh, we got a real problem with us. Uh, so the the leader, Robert Earl Burton, is known as our beloved teacher to members. They first came under fire back in 1984 when a former member filed a $2.75 million lawsuit claiming that young men who joined the group had been forcefully and unlawfully seduced by Burton. I have a question. Yes. Isn't, wouldn't forceful seduction be... An oxymoron? I just, it sounds, that doesn't seem like it's the right word to use. Well, in forcefully and unlawfully seduced by Burton doesn't mean assaulted. It just means hit on. That's what I'm saying. In an aggressive fashion. Yeah. In 1996, another member accused him of sexual misconduct while the member was a minor. Both lawsuits settled out of court. They've also been investigated by immigration officials, they said, for allegedly bringing foreign recruits into the U.S. on religious visas. But then pulling the old fast one on them and forcing them into sexual slavery. He founded the group on the principle that it was available to anyone interested in pursuing the spiritual work of awakening. That is such cult speak, isn't it? He considers women inferior, frowns upon childbirth. Uh, So something for both of us there. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he he used to say uh, in his bio, it says how to describe a conscious teacher. He does what no one else will or can do, teaching the most unpopular of all truths that our illusory sense of I must die. I was from his uh, bio in his eighties. Uh, it now says that Burton lives at Apollo, which again is this. Um, supposed headquarters that they've got up in Northern California out in the middle of nothing in the uh, Sierra Nevada foothills. He lives there with about 500 of his followers. Other followers are spread out in more than 80 cities around the world but meet regularly for spiritual gatherings. They have a winery. It's called Renaissance Vineyard. Actually, well, one of the the things in the lawsuit was that Google was buying wine from that winery. right. In an attempt to continue to pump more money, or these cult people were uh, convincing Google to pump more money into the uh, into the cult. So, I love cult stuff. Gary and Shannon will continue <laughs> right after this. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky. 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.